Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a fright. Welcome to the greatest And welcome back to the greatest show on earth that is Talking Terror. I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you back to this new episode. Where is my pick tonight? And we're going back to the year 1981 to discuss The Beyond, directed by probably one of my favorite directors of all time, Lucio Fulci. You know I love George, but Lucio, that's my Italian favorite. Unfortunately, we are not going to be joined by the ghoul or the dean tonight. Unfortunately, they decided they were going to have a sleepover tonight instead. So we wish them luck with their popcorn eating and hair braiding. So I'm not alone, though. <laughs> I'm joined by the psychotic simian himself, the mad monkey, the prince, the man more day. Yes, get funky with it, monkey. <laughs> oh, hey there, friend fans. This is the mad monkey broadcasting to you live from the Drunken Monkey Rehabilitation Clinic, where we're bringing you the best goddamn horror podcast there is in all of the land. So that's right. Listen here. Listen live. Listen post-mortem. Just listen often. Listen with your mama. We don't care. Just fucking listen. And welcome to the show, everybody. Hey, King, how's it going tonight, man? (laughs) I'm doing great. I don't know if you want to listen to this with your mom. She might get offended at some of the things we have to say, but your mom might be cool. She might be the type that smokes weed, drinks beer. And for that, we appreciate you, moms. But (laughs) that is not the ones that we're talking to ordinarily. But I'm sure that they're out there. Uh, how are you, Monkey? Loving all, all Ready for the show? <laughs> yeah, man. I'm doing good. Loving all the milfs out there. Thanks for listening. Yeah. I'm talking to oh, you, Monkey. Yeah. You know what yeah. you're talking about. <laughs> but yeah, it's going to be the King and I tag teaming this shit tonight as we sit there and cover horror news and look your Fulci the beyond. <laughs> and dabble in a little bit of that Italian stuff. And it's funny because the Dean and Ghoul couldn't be here. And I wanted to really stick it to them this week with a horror pick because we did Beastmaster, then Summer Camp Nightmare last week. But, of course, they took the night off. So I'm just thinking they decided, nah, I'm not going to talk about the beyond. I want to talk about something else. So whatever well, the reason you know, may be, a, you know, Monkey, you know the real reason. A, so we'll just it, take it. It's okay. They're, they're having a sleepover. They're doing fine. Like you said, they're braiding each other's hair. You know, they're hanging out, you know, making s'mores, reach the babysitter's <laughs> club. You know, and playing with their fashion plates. It's all good, man. <laughs> because we got this oh, shit on motherfucking man, they're playing uh, Hot Date. Remember that game back in the day? What was it? Blind Date, Hot Date? Where, like, you took turns yeah. uh, answering the phone? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the other one, uh, Dream... <laughs> and the other one, Dream Mall, or something like that. <laughs> yes, I think it was. I think it was Dream Mall, and you had to buy all the stores. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, a twisted, a twisted version time. of Monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Crazy time uh, back in the 80s and 90s mm. for board games when they did mm. directly for girls, directly for boys, <laughs> then kind of in the middle. Uh, but, Monkey, I know that you said you had a couple things you wanted to talk about as we kick off the show tonight. I've got a couple things. So uh, what do you want to bring up? Uh, all right. Um, actually, this past weekend, I checked out a, a really fun murder mystery from 1945. Um, based on Agatha Christie's Ten Little Indians, and it was called And Then There Were None. 
And I didn't think it was appropriate to bring up on the show for a full episode thing just because I don't think it's worthy of a, you know, whole fucking hour of our time. But just wanted to bring it up just because this I found this to be a nice, fun little classic piece of horror slash murder mystery. Um, just because this movie, you know, and its original story was the start of all of that stuff of the, the, the whole Scooby-Doo thing of a bunch of people show up at a mansion, everyone starts disappearing, no, no one knows why, and this was the story that started it. And I got to check it out, and it, it was a fun little murder mystery. Yeah, especially for 1945, uh, what that movie did. You know, it had some good elements, mm. you know, and I always said that that movie, for 1945, it's like the precursor to Saw. You know, when you find out who's really mm-hmm. behind all the disappearances and at the ending, yeah. unfortunately, like I told you, it's a Hayes Toad film. So you got to have the happy ending at the end because yeah. you can't have any uh, sad endings, unhappy endings, bad endings. Hey. You have to have happy. You have to have a good result. Yeah. And this threw me off because I grew up, um, you know, again, I had cable for a very short time as a kid. But during that time, I remember seeing on Showtime that they had uh, broadcast a play of Mousetrap. And I knew now that Mousetrap is also based on Ten Little Indians. You know, it's the yep. same thing. Mm-hmm. They just re-upped re- it. But when I saw it as a little kid, it had the original dark ending that the original story had. And I was just, as a little kid, I was like, whoa, that is so fucked up. You know, and like you said, because of the Hays Code, it really threw me off after I watched this movie, um, you know, and I'm looking forward to the end and stuff like that. And we don't get the ending that's in the original story, like you said, because of the Hays Code. You know, we have to have a nice ending, you know. Things, everyone's got to play nice. There's got to be a rom- romance. There's, you know, and there's got to be a fucking kiss at the end, you know. <laughs> Which was yeah, not the, the original the, the, ending. <laughs> no. The original ending is so fucking morbid that it's like it would have been great if they had actually gone that way, you know, with the kill yourself ending, but instead they decided to go with the happy, oh, we survived, we're the only ones left, all right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it worked, mm-hmm. but I'm so glad mm-hmm. that the Hays Code isn't a thing anymore mm-hmm. because I do love those bleak endings. Yeah. And, we will find and, out tonight. You know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, after watching it and stuff like that, you know, it started to roll through my head, you know, whether or not, you know, something like this should be redone, but then at the same time, again, this is the one that started it all, and I'm thinking, you know, definitely no, just because after this, it's been done and redone just so many times, to where you know, I really don't think the Agatha Christie estate is, you know, going, you know, we want to remake because we want some money off of this shit. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's been redone to death, like I said. I mean, if you watch the original Saw, it has a, and then there were none type of feel to it, uh, especially with the reveal at the end, if you read the book and you watch Mousetrap. But even Knives Out had a very much, and then there were none, Agatha Christie type feel to it. Um, murder uh-huh, mystery. Absolutely. Which, yeah, yeah. Knives Out was a great murder mystery. You know, the, the story that it told, it just did a great job of sucking you in. I just wish it hadn't been too predictable. I mean, I, I kind of figured out what was going on pretty quickly, and I was kind of disappointed. I was like, oh, that's how they're going to go. Right? Uh, and then that's what happened. Like, oh, you know, I wanted a little bit more mystery. But if you're savvy and you know murder mm. mysteries, you'll figure it out, which is kind of a dead yeah. end. But it's still a fun movie. I, I do like Knives <laughs> Out. 
Yeah, because about 15 minutes into the movie, the, the diva called it, and I was like, would you shut the fuck up? Because she's no. usually really good about that stuff, well, yeah. you know, but, you know, <laughs> hey, it is what it is, but it was still a good movie with really good performances in it. Jamie Lee Curtis was fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, and I, I like it when she plays bitchy characters. Like, I like it when she plays off-type. You know, when she's not the mom or, you know, she's not the heroine like in Halloween. Mm. You know, I like it when she plays a good bitch. Um, she did oh, it yeah. back in the 90s with a movie called Mother's Day, which is one of her best films, if you ask me, with Peter Gallagher, where she plays this really just kind of vile woman trying to get her kids back. So if you ever get a chance, uh, that's a good one. And there's a lot of tits in there from Jimmy and Curtis, too. So back in the 90s when she was showing them off. Oh, nice. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> um, and let's see here. And then I'm going to sit there and give them some toy news, if you don't mind. <laughs> I love it. You know I love Just toys. <laughs> now you you put on the talking terror page that NECA is going to be putting out a new Kong figure. Um, uh, now is that one supposed to be tying into the Kong Kong versus Godzilla movies that you know of, or <clears throat> uh, no, no? The NECA said that it's an original take on the classic Kong uh, character, not tied into Kong versus Godzilla. Not tied into Skull Island. Um, I mean, my only gripe, and, and you'll get into it with, with the specifications, it's too small. It's only eight inches tall. Yeah. That was my biggest right. gripe. I was like, it should be a lot bigger. It should be at least 10 inches. Yeah, um, I, I agree with you. Uh, I think McFarland did it best when they, they had their huge ass, <coughs> excuse me, you know, monster movies, and that thing was, like, at least 10 inches tall. You know, it was caged up, mm-hmm. you know, chained down on the stage, and it was a good sculpt. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I get into the – do you have the specifications of it? Unless, if you don't, I do um, for Kong, and I think it's kind of cool what they did. Yeah. Yeah, I see here that you, you put on the Talking Terror page that it's 8 inches tall with 30 points of articulation. And then it comes with two heads with different expressions and um, a couple different pairs of hands. Yeah, and the chest is battle damaged, which I did like. Um, And then the one head that they give you actually does look like the Kong from the original King Kong from the 30s, which I thought was kind of cool, the fact that they included (laughs) that. So it's the original take, but you could also put that head on there Mm -hmm. and have it look like the the Mm -hmm. classic Kong. You know, from the past, mm. but you know, eight inches mm. again, too small for me. Godzilla NECA figures are bigger than that. Yeah, uh, Godzilla figures, they're about 10 inches tall. Um, think they should have at least done this just so at least they're a little bit bigger than your regular NECA figures that you already have on the shelf, you know, because it's just like mm-hmm. you put it up there with your regular guys, it's like, all right, what's with the gorilla? It's not King Kong, man. <laughs> yeah, it's like you know, is that is that Solomon Grundy? Huge, <laughs> just a big ape. Um, so yeah, <laughs> but yeah, following the NECA, then shipping this week. Okay, so it's supposed to be in stores very very soon. Is Tony Terror okay. series three, series three of Tony Terrors. Okay, so okay. this time, the, uh, along with Tony Terrors. Uh, they are including the nun from The Conjuring. Uh, mm-hmm. They are doing count. They are doing Count Orlock from Nosferatu. And okay. then they're doing Ash. Then they're doing Ash from Evil Dead Two. 
Interesting. Okay, that's a good one. And, and Ash from Evil Dead 2 will come with um, both a shotgun and chainsaw hand. So, and you can Very actually nice. take the shotgun out of the holster, so sweet. Okay, and then I also found out, along with NECA news, because I mentioned last week how NECA is working on a Back to the Future animated series figure, uh, mm-hmm. toy line. Well, I found yeah. out that they are also making an animated version of the DeLorean to go with the to- the figures for the toy line. Oh, that is cool. All right. It's kind of cool to go with those <laughs> toys. I mean, I'm a fan of the Toonie Terrors line. You know that. I have a bunch of them. Yeah. I think that they're cool-looking figures, kind of Scooby-Doo-ish in a way, but they're fun. They're nice figures. And they don't, you know, uh, bankrupt you. It's only twelve ninety nine for a figure. So, I mean, they're mm-hmm. worth it. If you're a collector <laughs> like I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then keep, keeping with the toy stuff that's going on, it's like, okay, we, we know San Diego Comic-Con is the big thing that happens every summer, okay? Yeah, um, it is, yeah. Yeah, it's just, but it seems like this year they've decided they're definitely shutting down San Diego Comic-Con. No ifs, ands, or buts. You know, no speculation. We're not going to sit there and nah. stipulate, you know, whether whether we should or shouldn't because of COVID. You know, they're like, nope, we're just going to play it safe. We're, and, you know, it's going to stay shut down for the year. All right. Mm. Um, that being said, now San Diego Comic Con is trying to figure out how they can go ahead and turn this whole convention virtual. They want to do the entire okay. thing online. So right now they're trying to figure out, you know, what they're going to do about, you know, if they're even going to have any celebrities. If so, are they going to do c- celebrity guest panels? Um, how are they going to work out? Shopping with vendors and stuff like that. What, what are the promo deals going to be? Um, and you know, San Diego Comic Con. That's when they all always release the big, huge ass trailers. You know, those <laughs> teasers. You know, for everything that you want to fucking see. Um, probably that's course, where Halloween yeah. Kills. Yeah. Probably what, that's probably where Halloween Kills would have dropped the trailer if they had one by now. Um, mm-hmm. But the, but then again, still talking about the toy lines. That's not stopping toy companies from making San, uh, San Diego Comic-Con exclusive figures. Because okay, because this year there's uh, already slated a special edition Tron figure that was actually based on the artwork on the back of the VHS tape. Um, then there's an, hmm. a, an actual light-up Nightmare Before Christmas set that had... Uh, Four figures, um, Santa Claus, Oogie Boogie, <clears throat> Jack Skellington, and Zero. And for some reason, they all lit up. I can't fucking tell you why. <laughs> huh. <But> then, okay. <laughs> and then the other big things were uh, big, huge Infinity slash Nano Gauntlet for, from Avengers, and they fucking light up. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, that makes sense. At least that one yeah. makes sense that it works up. <laughs> and, and it's cool because both of them are in the um, snapping position as well. So <laughs> Really? Okay, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, but those are the San Diego Comic-Cons that are, you know, released for this year, you know. But, again, that's the whole thing, though, is they're putting out this shit, but then how are they going to put it out? How are they going to release it? You know, are they, like, I'm hoping with everything that's going on in the world right now, like, maybe they would do some – you know, excuse me, you know, like online stuff where you sit there and bid and hopefully the money would go to charities or something like that, you know, but at the same time, that's just me in this day and age. (laughs) 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, because you bring that up, and I would assume that the companies that are releasing these figures, uh, the San Diego Comic-Con exclusives, they'll release it to their site. So whoever makes the figure would release it to their site. But I agree with you. I definitely think that the best way to do it is to do, like, a, a charity thing. Where, you know, if you buy this, it'll go proceeds to, you know, the Red Cross or some other good charity that you want to get behind. I think that would be the best way to do it because those San Diego exclusives, I mean, people eat them up. You know, I mean, people buy them, yeah. you know, by the boatload, you know, when they go to it because they're exclusives and you're not going to be able to get it anywhere else. And then a couple of years later, you'll see it on the shelf at a Goodwill. So, <laughs> you know, it just. Yeah. It's, and it's, as somebody that does work for that company, I have seen it on the shelf. So I'm like, oh, my God, that's a San Diego exclusive. <laughs> yeah. And people will waste half a day at San Diego Comic-Con in line waiting to get, hopefully, hopefully get these things. Just because you're waiting in line doesn't mean you're going to get one. You know, but no, you know, yeah, absolutely not. You know, and and that's that's the whole thing. And while I'm all about you know figures with cool sculpts and alternate paints and all that kind of stuff, you know, it's just me. It's just you know, if I'm going to San Diego Comic Con, I wouldn't be wasting half a day waiting, literally waiting in line to buy a toy. You know, it's just yeah, and and that's and that's the thing. You're you're just waiting in line for one item. If you want the other item that's at the next table, you have to go back, all the way back to the other line. <laughs> yeah, you know, for me, it would depend on the figure. Because I know that a couple of years ago, they did uh, exclusive for San Diego Comic-Con, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, and Friday the 13th NES figures. Um, and that was exclusive to Comic-Con. And, yeah, I would have waited in that line, you know, for uh, Freddy or Jason. <laughs> but, you know, I, I don't know if I would have waited for any others. It, to me, it's always about what it is. I will wait in a line if it's something that I really want. You know, if it's something that I don't, then it's just so easy to skip it and go, nah. You know, I'll just wait until it goes up on eBay. <laughs> Somebody puts it up there for sale and I'll buy it then. <laughs> you know, the, I'm not waiting in a three-hour line. Or the goodwill. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which I have seen San Diego Comic-Con exclusives there, which is so bizarre. Somebody's just like, I don't fucking want this anymore. Fuck you, Deadpool. You're going in the bed. <laughs> no, 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 that was, no, that was an angry girlfriend that kicked your boyfriend out and was like, you know what? I'm getting rid of all your shit. All of your shit is fucking going to Goodwill. Oh, <laughs> it's not going. It's yeah, not I'm, going on a box yeah. outside. Nope, it's fucking gone. <laughs> that's that's what that fucking is. That's an angry breakup. <laughs> that's why EC Special Edition SCCC Deadpool <laughs> at the Goodwill is because it's an angry girlfriend. Damn, fuck you, man. <laughs> I'm getting rid of all uh. your shit. <laughs> and the sad thing is, is that that actually does happen because I, I, I've been to those stores where I had a guy walk up to me and he was like, Hey, uh, you know, so my girlfriend was here about an hour ago and she dropped off like a bunch of bins. I'm like, yeah. And he's like, well, you know, we got into a fight and she ended up just dropping them all off. And I just want to know if I can get it back. I'm like, dude, if she dropped it off, it's gone, man. <laughs> you know, cause they take those bins and they dump them. And they sort them, and yeah. I was like, if it was an hour ago, yeah, that collection is gone. You're going to have to wait until it goes up on the aisles to get it back, and you're going to have to pay for it. <laughs> I was like, you're, that's you're why you don't make a girlfriend mad, man. The, you're lucky if it goes up on the aisle. If you've got good shit, it's going straight up on the website. It's, it doesn't even go in yeah. the store. <laughs> no, no. So, yeah, that's a, a good uh, thing, boys out there that have girlfriends, and if you're nerds like me and you have all these action figures, don't make a mess. Just don't, it's not worth it. Just, you know, just be like, you know what, baby, you're right. You're right, I'm wrong, I <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> you know, because the next thing you know, you're going to have all your collection gone. 
and you don't want that. <laughs> Nothing's worse than having to recover. I've had to do it myself, and it is not fun. <laughs> it's painstaking, and it's hard. So would not recommend. Um, but, okay, and, so that's San Diego Comic-Con, all right? Uh, yeah, and the very last thing I personally have is there's rumors that Supernatural will resume shooting uh, possibly this fall in Vancouver for the final season of Supernatural. Ooh, all the Supernatural fans, get ready. Buckle yeah. up, buckaroos. The final yeah, season. So, yeah. All you Winchester fans, yes, I know I'm talking to you ladies out there. <laughs> you know, so don't worry. You may... 17, <laughs> off your shirts. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Oh, I love it when I, he eats hamburgers and drinks beer and wears dirty uh, flannel shirts. It's so sexy. While when I do it, it's like, uh, what's wrong with you? It's like, what? But you like it when it's on the TV show. <laughs> that's because they have a 12-pack, and I'm not talking about beer. I'm like, no, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> they, are, they are physically impressive. I mean, I, I told you before, even on the show, I, I watched Supernatural for a while. Um, so then I dropped off when it ended the first time. And then when they brought it back again, I was like, no, I'm out. I'm out. You can't fuck with me like that. You gave me a series finale. You can't come back. I'm not, no, I'm not doing it again. Wasn't that like that at the end of like season six, I believe, or something like that? Six or well, seven, yeah. They had their series finale. Yeah, yeah they, they finished and it then. And the fans and brought it back. You know, yeah, <laughs> the fans, you know, did a Frankenstein, brought it back to life, you know. And all the women were like, yay! <laughs> and now it's at, like, season 25. <laughs> it's like the longest fucking running show. Right behind Grey's Anatomy. It's like the longest fucking running show. I have no idea what season it's at right now, but finally ending. So that is going to be happening. All right, so... So, so that's is that what you I have, have. What do you? Yeah, that's what I've got, man. What do you have, King? All right. Well, let's dig in uh, some of what I got uh, before we get into the movie tonight. Uh, I want to kick it off with Bill and Ted Face the Music. Bill and Ted Part 3, the Wild Stallions, they're back. The teaser trailer dropped the other day, a minute or so long. Uh, got a chance to watch it, and I was so glad to see them back. A lot of that good nostalgia, uh, seeing Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves reprise the roles, seeing William Sadler's death. Unfortunately, no George Carlin. Rest in peace, sir. But it just yeah, looked sir. fun, and I can't wait for it to come out. But I was surprised by a lot of the negativity. A lot of people were like, nah, no, this is just, it's, you're trying to just do nostalgia here. I don't get it. I was like, it's just, then you're not going to go. I'll go. <laughs> um, <laughs> what did you think about it, Bucky? Yeah. First of all, it was like, I was so thrown off while watching it, just, just because we've been teased by this for so long, you know, and about, you know, filming has started, it stopped, you know, things were being here, being there, then COVID kicked in, you know, and I couldn't believe that I was actually watching a trailer. You know, I like, it, it just took some while to sink in that, you know, it's actually happening, you know, it, it's really going to go there, you know, <laughs> so that was cool, you know, but then seeing, seeing the trailer and stuff like that, again, excited just to see it, ex- excited that, you know, digging that they actually picked up where the second mo- movie left off. You know, of how they have to actually write the song that's supposed to unite the universe. You know, align planets. You know, <laughs> bring, bring, bring you know, the universe together. But they just haven't gotten around to doing it. 
<laughs> so let's go and, into the future and, and let's see what we wrote, bro. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I, I, I love when they go and they meet their future selves. <laughs> oh, and they're all fucking buff and shit. <laughs> you know, like bodybuilders. Because, because they're because they're in prison. Well, it was so great. Yeah, just to see that a buffed out Bill and Ted. You know, because at first when I saw it, the first time I thought it was fucking Seamus from WWE. I yeah, was like, me too. Seamus. Right? Yeah, because first time I first time I watched it, I, I I saw it on my phone and I was like, holy fuck, it's fucking Seamus. Seriously, I, I thought the exact same fucking thing, man. <laughs> yeah, Seamus from WWE. I was like, he's in this movie? And I was like, no, wait a second. Okay, I got it. <laughs> I was like, it's not him. You know, this is buffed out characters. But it's so great to see Alex Winter back as Bill because he looks like he hasn't fucking aged a day. It's like there's a literal time machine that he went into after Bogus Journey, and now he's here. And he's like, hey, how is everybody? He's like, dude, you haven't aged. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, I I am amazed at how well he has aged, and um, and watching it how um, <clears throat> how much his face is still animated and moving, and he's hopping around all over the fucking place just like he used to. Is you know, and unfortunately, whether or not we want to sit there and go there, someone someone else on the screen seemed a little stiff. <laughs> so you got that too, huh? That uh, Keanu he, looked a little plastic. A little too stiff. Yeah. yeah, man. Um, you know, and especially when you compare the way Alex Winter looks compared to the way Keanu Reeves looks, it's like Keanu Reeves looks like you know being John Wick has been very tough on him. You know, when you compare the way these <laughs> two look to each other, um, <laughs> but he's he seems really stiff in the joints. He seems really stiff in the face. But at the same time, you know, this could be, you know, they're trying to show that Alex Winter's actually in it. You know, it's both of them in the movie. It's not just Keanu Reeves, you know, just because Keanu Reeves has been active while Alex Winter just kind of disappeared. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can't think of anything he's done post-Bogus Journey. So, I mean, if you, I, I, honestly, I'd have to go on his IMDb. I know that he was supposed to direct um, the remake of The Gate back in the day, but that's the only thing I remember. Um, I just remember him being in a Paula Abdul video. Like I think it was Rush Rush. No. But that's the only but that's the only other thing I I, I know that he was in. <laughs> you know, other than other than the Lost Boys, of course. <laughs> of course. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a highlight Lost Boys. Um but I I'm looking forward to it when it comes out. I don't know if it's gonna be a VOD, uh knowing how the theaters are, you know, they're still not reopened yet. Um drive throughs are still the big thing. A lot of these movies are just going right to the drive thru with I mean a drive in rather. Um, which I think is great. You know, it's a revitalization, you know, and it's like somebody said online, it's so great that you could say, yeah, I just saw that at the drive-in last week. What's up? <laughs> like, it's, you know, better than just going, I went to the movies to go see it. Like, it's something cool. It's so Yeah, and you've been putting a lot of stuff on the Talking Terror page about how drive-ins are actually really fucking raking it in right now, and, and, and independent horror is, you know, bringing in the cash, man. Well, one in particular, which is The Wretched, uh, that came out back in May uh, through the drive, uh, drive-in circuit. I mean, just this past week, it brought in a million dollars. I mean, this is a low-budget monster film. Yeah, and it, it total gross so far is over a million dollars. 
Also, I mean, I don't, Holy I couldn't crap. find any of the budget, but it's obviously low. But yeah, a million. Yeah, because then on top of that, isn't Becky doing really well at these drive-ins now? Yeah, that that brought in uh, I think over two hundred thousand uh, opening weekend, which is fucking huge for another independent <laughs> uh, thriller with Kevin James and Lula Wilson. Um, so I mean, right. the drive-through is where where it is. People are tired of being home; they want to get out and be entertained and see a movie. So the drive-through, the drive-in is the way to go. Um, now I'm so yeah, I'm really curious, and, real, real quick, King. Though it's like for all this stuff about driving, have you heard? Anything about how they're handling the drive-in situation, like as far as like social distancing, bathrooms, uh, snacks, anything? Unfortunately, no. And I tried to look into it a few times when this whole drive-in revolution of this year came into play. I mean, I would assume that they're doing it the, the way we talk about on the show. I mean, you stay in your car, but if you have to use your bathroom, you know, put on your mask and just practice safe distancing. Same thing if you go to the snack bar, you know, six feet apart. Put on your mask, and then you get your popcorn and your hot dogs and your soda, and then go back to your car. I think it's completely plausible right. to do it that way. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's just, you know, it'd be nice to, you know, get some ideas of how they're actually doing it. Just because, again, it's like, again, I've never been to a drive-in movie, period. You know, and I'm just Either really digging how we're – Okay, so all right, so we're the same here, <laughs> you know. And yeah. but at the same time, I'm really, I'm really jealous of this drive-in renaissance that's happening now. Yeah, it is very cool. I mean, unfortunately, there's just nothing around where we live, drive-in-wise. I mean, I think there is one. I think uh, our mutual friend Sean uh, told me about one. That's not it's a drive, but it's not too far that you can go to yeah. drive-in-wise. But yeah, I the think there's yet. one that's like, like literally on the Pennsylvania Jersey border. It's like it's up there. Yeah. <laughs> well, plus there's the one in Jersey uh, that uh, the ghoul has gone to the the Mahonic Drive-In, which is a, a big one that does a lot of horror features. So there is that one. You know, I just I've never been. I've always wanted to go. I've always wanted to experience a movie at a drive-in. Just see how different it is. <laughs> you know, than actually sitting well, well, in the theater. I think it would be a cool experience. Yeah, yeah. Sitting in the car, you know, playing Night Moves by Bob Seger the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Doing the whole Blood Rage thing. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they got it. Um, so that's uh, Bill and Ted's face for music. Uh, the other thing that uh, just popped up in the news is that last year, Netflix announced that they were going to be rebooting the Unsolved Mysteries TV series. So they just said that they were going to reboot it uh, with the producers of Stranger Things <laughs> being behind it. Now we have an official date of July 1st. They're going to be releasing the first six episodes onto the Netflix streaming service, yeah. but the other six being released at a later date. But what's also interesting to note is that there is not going to be a host this time around. What? So there's not going to be a was, Robert Stack type character or Dennis Farina for the later seasons. I was literally getting ready to ask you who's going to be the host. <laughs> no host. How can you have oh, no host? You, they, you have to have a host, man. Because the, the diva has been watching the hell out of these on Tubi, because they actually have an unsolved mystery yeah. channel. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. and they, you know they have a designated channel, you know, and it's just to go mm-hmm. back and watch this with you know Robert Stack, who you know I knew him as that, also the voice of Ultra Magnus in the Transformers movie. Um, Airplane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's just 
and it's just so funny to go back and like just watch these horrible reenactments. <laughs> oh, with the cheesy wigs and you know the the alien things and all things. It's just so great. But then all of a sudden Robert Stack shows up in a fucking overcoat. He's like, maybe you can solve the mystery. Like, oh my god, he's so scared, yeah. man. <laughs> why, is he, why is he staring into my soul? <laughs> I just want to watch TV. I don't know anything, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> Stop looking at me, Robert Stack. Um, but yeah, because the, they that, did have that reboot with uh, Dennis Farina, too. Uh, that, a lot of people don't remember that. Dennis Farina took over hosting. So, I, I like that I one. Did I did not even know that one. Retread of the old Robert Stack. Yeah. Um, but but then it's cool to go back and like since we're talking about it, go back and rewatch the ones like you were saying on Tubi or Pluto, because then they would sit there and come back. And now that it's after the fact and it's already been broadcast, if you're lucky, then you can get an update of the case because some new shit unfolded. And then they have someone that sounds like Robert Stack, get it, but it's not, but it's not Robert Stack giving you an update on the yeah. shit that w- went down and how the mystery was solved. <laughs> and that was always my favorite part, even the Robert Stack episodes, when it'd be about a disappearance or a murder or something like that. And all of a sudden he's like, well, that's it. That's the end of it. And you update. I'm like, yes. We're going to find out what happens. You know, I always like a, a wrap up. You know, just whenever it's always like, well, well, we'll just never know what happened to that person. It's like, fuck, no, we'll investigate it. You know, it's all mystery. <laughs> you know, Look into the mystery a little bit more. Robert Stack can't do everything. <laughs> and hopefully they keep the same theme music, because that theme music is just fucking classic. Like, as soon as you hear yeah. it, you're like, oh, man, we're going in. Yeah. <laughs> it's so 90s. <laughs> okay. So going from Unsolved right, Mysteries right. to the evil... Di- okay, I'm sorry, Mikey. What? Oh, no, no. Uh, I'm sorry. I was clearing my throat. Go ahead, King. Oh, okay. No problem. I uh, want to go into the Evil Dead for a little bit. Uh, oh, yeah. Denny Hicks. <clears throat> I, I do have news, but I want to talk about Danny Hicks first. Because uh, Danny Hicks, you know, who played the redneck in Evil Dead 2, he was also the main villain in Intruder, which I think is an underrated slasher. I know that the ghoul and the dean don't really like that movie, but if you just want to see a just wild, over-the-top slasher set in a supermarket, uh, Intruder is the way to go. But Danny Hicks took to Facebook to announce that he does have stage 4 cancer, and he's been given a year to three years to live. So it's not looking too good oh, for man. Mr. Hicks at the moment. But his business manager, Dominic Mancini, has set up a GoFundMe to cover his medical costs. If you want to donate, the link is on our Talking Terror page on how you can go there and donate a little or a lot. Uh, but Danny, at all the conventions he went to, always one of the nicest guys, always wanted to talk, you know, about Bruce and Sam and all these stories that he had for Evil Dead 2 and for Intruder. One of the good ones. So... Hopefully, he covers medical costs and maybe even beats this thing. Who knows? You know, hopefully, this isn't the end of, of yeah. Danny Hicks. Yeah, so if anything, please go to our Talking Terror page. Click the link, like King said, you know, and do what you can to help out. So, with that out of the way, yes, Evil Dead. Bruce Campbell did an interview recently where he did announce that they do have a director in line for the new Evil Dead entry. And that would be Lee Cronin, who directed the movie Hole in the Ground. For A24. But what's interesting to note is that Campbell did say that they're going to be calling it Evil Dead, not The Evil Dead, just Evil Dead. And that's going to have nothing to do with Ash, and it's got nothing to do with the 2013 version of Evil Dead directed by Spetty Alvarez. It's going to be its own thing. It's going to be a standalone Evil Dead film. So they could do whatever they want with this movie. 
And I'm kind of excited for it. <laughs> okay, because I, re- I read that it was going to be called Evil Dead Now. Was well, that might be an update. Title for it. <laughs> um, yeah, cause, but, but then also, okay, Bruce Campbell is definitely involved with it, but how is Bruce Campbell involved with this? Is he just producing? Yeah, just producing. Yeah, he and Sam and, and Rob Tapper are going to be producers. It'd be cool, though, if they just do something like, again, like you said, they can go any route they want with this, you know. But it would be nice if they just have, just like, you know, in the Evil Dead remake, just a little nod to the original movies, you know. <laughs> Show the Delta or something like that, you know. Or, you know, chainsaw, like, you know, old house and, you know, the chainsaw laying, laying there covered in cobwebs or something like that. You know, something simple like that. You know, if you're not actually going to have Campbell in it. But just, you know, just throw a nod. I mean, who knows? They might. I mean, that's what Steady did, the 2013 Evil Dead, where you have the Delta, you know, all rusted out. You know, and then they also included the, the uh, magnifying glass. So there were definitely, uh, definite nods to the original, um, which I did like. But at the same time, if they want to do something new and just have it Evil Dead now, if that's what it's going to be called, I still don't mind it. You don't need Ash, you know, as you saw with 2013's Evil Dead to make a good movie. You could still make it good, but you just you got to do it the right way. you got to make it dark. you got to make it bloody, make it violent. And make it right, scary. But also... And uh, and along the same lines with Ash versus Evil, um, you know, Ash versus Evil Dead, in, in that series they did a good job of steering you towards the point of if something happens to Ash, they could definitely continue the story without Ash. You know, they had a strong enough cast to where they could continue fighting evil. Yeah, I mean, my only problem with Ash versus Evil Dead is that in season three, they gave him a daughter. And I just I thought that was just lazy, because again, like you had said, if something happens to Ash, she could take over and be the leader of the group. But at the same time, you don't need it, because the the side characters of Kelly and Pablo were so strong that either of them could take over for Bruce, you know, for Ash. I just don't think you need to have a familial connection to kind of keep it going. See, okay, see, I didn't know that about season three because I hadn't watched season three. And Spoilers. that was the thing. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, no. But that was the thing is those two characters, you know, were you know I took it as were like his adopted children, you know, in seasons one and two. You know, the, the, they the, they were that's where they were coming as you know, yeah, yeah. and the, you know, and the old man, you know, is you know Ash ends up getting a daughter slash a protege that he didn't fucking want, you know, <laughs> right. And it worked, and it was fine. And then in season three, they give him a daughter, and it's like, okay, ah, all right, you know, let's give him a daughter, and she's going to be badass too by the end of the season, you know. So if anything happens to him, you know, she could take over. But uh, you know, it, it was a little bit too much, um, you know. But it, it's clear that they can move on without Ash. You don't need him, you know. You could do it the right way. Like that's what yeah. I've always said about 2013's Evil Dead. You know, with Mia Jane Levy kind of playing the female version of Ash, but not really. And I thought it worked really well. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's also supposed to be a thing about all the spirits trying to take over, you know, the Deadites trying to take over the world. It's not about them trying to personally kick Ash's ass. You know, there's a bigger picture here, you know, and, you know, Ash isn't the bigger picture. It's, you know, they're trying to take over the entire world, you know, through portals here and there. And you can definitely easily, you know, 
write this story as just open world. Yeah, you know, and, and we'll see what happens with uh, Evil Dead, if it's going to be called Evil Dead now. Again, I don't mind that title at all. I mean, if they stick with it, that's fine. I just I always look forward to more adventures in that universe, even if it is going to be a standalone film. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, but moving on to Halloween Kills, which is still potentially going to be released this October. Um, rumors have been abound uh, about a character from the, history, the film's history past that was going to be making an appearance uh, in the film. Now, we already know that there's going to be a couple people from the original film, where Charles Cyphers is going to be coming back uh, to play Sheriff Brackett uh, in a different role. He's not going to be a sheriff this time. He's going to be more likely a, a hospital security guard. Uh, but also Kyle Richards, um, who, who played Lindsay, is going to be back. So they're, they're trying to bring back, you know, a few of them. But one of the biggest things that came out of the screening that happened a couple months ago, and this was revealed by DUHD.com, is that Dr. Loomis is going to be the surprise character that pops up in the flashback. No, in Michael, no! <laughs> yeah. So according to that site, yeah, Dr. Loomis is going to show up in the flashback that they already filmed. When There's plenty of stills online you can see uh, of 1978 uh, with a lion in his jacket running away from Michael. Um, so they're going to do that. But no, I mean, that was like my immediate response. No, you don't need Loomis. And you just, no, you know, get the flashback in there, but you don't need Loomis because Donald Trump is dead. Not coming back. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And... But- I don't know what their budget is, if they could afford the whole CGI thing that Star Wars did, <laughs> where they put in Carrie Hell Fisher no. and, and Christopher Lee, you know, and stuff like that, or Peter Cushing, rather. I don't think they're going to do that, but uh, I don't know. But at the same time, it's like if they were going to do it, they should have done it in the last movie. They shouldn't have skipped it in the last movie and then try and bring it back now. They had a great opportunity in the last movie to at least to, like, you know, have someone like an impersonator doing some voiceovers of like you know journal readings or something well, they you did. know to sit there and they had that they did yeah right. the audio okay. recordings so, when the the podcasters are listening to the the uh, the audio recordings of dr Loomis when he was talking to the board when he said that you have to execute michael and once he's dead you have to burn that body until there's nothing left but ash because he's the embodiment of evil so they did have a guy that sounded like pleasant's to do a voiceover for that little audio clip uh, that's in the movie. So it, it's there. But My apologies. I'm a stupid thing. monkey. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. Easy to overlook because it's a very quick scene. But that's the thing when you talk about that with Donald Pleasance and having a stand-in for him, because we had talked about it on the show before, that was the original idea by David Gordon Green for 2018's Halloween. He was going to open the movie with an alternate ending to 78's Halloween where we see a stand-in for Loomis coming into the house and being murdered by Michael Myers. And John Carpenter said, don't do it. Fans are going to hate it. So he <laughs> quickly said, okay, well. So yeah, th- th- that's, yeah that's thank that. goodness they at least did not go back and rewrite. Um, <laughs> but it seems like that's what they're doing. Like they, they just decided, you know, hey, we're not going to do an alternate opening, but we're still going to have Loomis, so – it's, I mean, it's pretty easy to do it from behind. I mean, you can get a guy that has a balding head, and you can put a trench coat on him and shoot him from behind. But yeah. I, I don't yeah, know how they're going to do it. 
Yeah, but if they're going to do that, like, you know, they're saying that they're going to pull a Plan 9 from outer space here, you know, where you're going to have Bela Lugosi behind oh, and yeah. escape the entire time, you know. <laughs> so it's going to be shot to Loomis, you know, behind in a trench coat, you know, with, with a cigarette that it never lights the entire time. <laughs> yeah. Part two, yeah. I mean, it's an interesting idea, but I don't know. Loomis and Donald Pleasant such a beloved character that series, I just, I don't feel like having a stand-in is going to do it any justice. I don't, you know, you could do a flashback to 78 and not include him at all. I mean, you could even have Jamie Lee Curtis in the flashback and de-age her, like the new technology that they have, and that'll be fine. But to just include Dr. Loomis, come on, he's dead, let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Pleasant isn't coming back. We don't need to have Loomis anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you, man. It's like, you know, just just let it lie. You know, it, it, again, unless you have that Star Wars money, which we doubt you do. So if you so if you don't, leave it alone. If you do, by all means, I'm all for it. You know, but I doubt they have that ca- kind of cash. <laughs> and it's interesting that you bring up Star Wars because uh, there's actually a new horror anthology coming out that takes place in the Star Wars universe. In version of a oh, book man. coming out on July 28th <sighs> called Star Wars Dark Legends. Uh, it's going to be written by George Mann and illustrated by Grant Griffin, and it's going to be spooky and horrifying stories set in the Star Wars universe. But at the same time, Monkey, no, it, you might know this. Not the first time that this has happened, because back in the 90s they had uh, Galaxy of Fear, which is also a yeah. horror-themed line of books. Yeah, that's why I'm saying, like, oh, God, don't don't go back here. Just don't. Um, it's, it's just. I'm guessing they weren't good. I love, uh, I love Star Wars and I love horror. And there, there are some scary things that happen in Star Wars. But at the same time, I just don't see you trying to actually go that route of writing specifically scary stories for Star Wars. Anytime they go off the cuff like this, it just spirals out of control like Darth Vader's TIE fighter after it got shot by the Millennium Falcon during the Death Star run. Okay, it's just... No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, again, it's just... There's... There's places in the Star Wars universe where the Star Wars universe shouldn't go. Okay, like even though Star Wars is all about, you know... The good side of the force and the dark side. You shouldn't go dark side on with Star Wars and sit there and actually try and do so, some hardcore horror. But I don't think they're going to go right. that route. I think this is going to be instead like the original series. It's going to be more like watered down goosebumps kind of shit, where it's just like you know trying to tell a spooky story around a camp a campfire. You know, be like, ooh, Darth Vader did this scary thing. It's like no, just. Don't do it. Don't go there. But they're going there because, fuck it, it's Disney. <laughs> well, that's why I think that it's going to be marketed towards kids. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's definitely going to be marketed towards kids. You know, it's going to be illustrated. You know, it's going to be spooky stories, like they said. So I think it's going to be more uh, kid-oriented than people your age that are huge Star Wars fans. So I think the kids right. grew up. But at the same time, though, it's like, why go Star Wars? Why go, like, try and create this scary Star Wars series? That doesn't make any fucking sense at all. It's like, you know, we're going to try and do Goosebumps, but we're going to just slap a Star Wars label on it. That's all it fucking is, man. And it's just, again, uh, 
what are you gonna do? So how property? About, you know, this, yeah, but at the same time, it's like there's other ways to tap into this property than trying to go down the horror route. Is what I'm saying. There's plenty of things they can do. There's plenty of stuff they can do with the Mandalorian. You know, <laughs> tapping into all of that. But then to go this route of trying to tap into the original franchise and just try and tell scary stories, and it's just, you know, nah. I'll take a pass on it. <laughs> Shouldn't be I done. mean, who knows? Um, it, it might if it's if it's for kids, you know, young adults. I think they'll probably eat it up. I don't think it's like I said. I don't think it's for you, you know, or the the more adult uh, Star Wars fans. I think the younger kids are going to eat it up, you know, and that's fine. You know, I mean, me, you know, I I don't like Star Wars, so keep your horror out of my Star Wars. <laughs> horror is for horror people. Star Wars is for Star Wars people. Like, keep keep the two separate, please. It's not like you got your you know you got my peanut butter and chocolate and my peanut butter. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But fans of Ari Aster may be interested to know that his next feature is going to be a nightmare comedy, as he describes it. But not only that, he is aiming for a four-hour running time for his upcoming next film. Yes, he said that he's planning on making it a four-hour feature. Now, keep in mind, folks, the Midsummer Director's Cut, which came out that I know a lot of people enjoyed, a couple of friends of mine really love it, that was two hours and 51 minutes. This next one, theatrically, is going to be four hours. So buckle up. <laughs> Just, that's what ambitious. are we watching, the fucking stands? <laughs> mm. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if this is going to be the one that breaks him. <laughs> you know, but he does have his fans. People love Hereditary and they love Midsummer. I don't get it, but, you know, I don't know. People are going to want to sit in a the theater for four fucking hours to watch his, his weird sense of uh, filming. But, okay, but he's trying to do a horror comedy this time? Is that what you said? Well, he calls it a nightmare comedy because it has to be elevated, you know, because he's an elevated horror filmmaker. So uh, it's not a horror comedy. It's a nightmare comedy. Okay, does he have I don't a know title what the fuck for that this? Means. Uh, night- does he have a title for this nightmare comedy? Not yet. No, no title. Just that he's been writing the script and it's almost done and it's going to be a nightmare comedy. Uh, the runtime's going to be four hours. Oh, hell fucking no. It's like, man, no, that, 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 that's a fucking marathon right there. And especially from him. Oh, God. Like, there's <laughs> yeah, not enough. No. Does it come with free shrooms? Like, are there free shrooms at the door when you get it so that you can sit there and trip while you're watching this entire movie? Because I feel like if I had tripped while watching Midsommar, I, I could have, like, actually tolerated it because, uh, man, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, man, I needed some fucking shrooms when I watched that fucking movie. <laughs> would have helped. You know, I definitely think it would have helped yeah. <laughs> because I, I really couldn't get behind that movie. I couldn't get behind Heart of there either. I just – I don't get it. Yeah. I mean, he has his fans, which is great, you know, but again – I'm a fan of Robert Eggers, who did The Lighthouse and did The Witch, and there's plenty of people that don't like his work either. So in a way, I get it. You know, it's just a matter of taste. But I, I don't think Robert Eggers is going to be trying to challenge us with four- to five-hour movies. Okay, but I want, to, I want to put this to you, though, okay, is because, you know, like you said, you know, th- there's a ton of fans out there for Hereditary and for Midsommar. Yeah. And then, like you said, there's a ton of fans out there for The Witch and hereditary, and um, you know the fu- the entire fucking Conjuring series. Um, 
And this is one thing, like, I've wanted to ask you for a while. I'm just going to sit there and say it on the fucking show here. Is and I'm going to sit there and say, yeah, and I'm saying this, like, no offense to our listeners, but I'm going to sit there and call them all kids because they're new to the horror genre, in my opinion. All right? They haven't been, they haven't been watching horror for more than ten years. All right? And do you think they're really soaking this stuff up just because this is the only big-budget horror that's really getting released? And this is, like, maybe the best they're getting? Um, I mean, that's a good question. I, I don't think it's, it's that. Um, because uh, Hereditary and Midsummer they, they were released regularly in theaters before this COVID thing happened. Um, so there were other things that you could be watching other than that. I think it's just, it, it, you know, they, they see it and they see the trailers and they know that it's going to be, I guess, I guess in a way, people think that it's smarter horror. You know, it's like the elevated horror term. Like, this is more intelligent. So I think some of them out there think that they're probably better than other horror fans because they get these movies and they like them. And then there's others that genuinely just like Ari Aster, and they like what he did with Hereditary and Midsummer. But there's plenty of fans out there that I've talked to on the Internet that just think because they get these movies and like them that they're better than somebody like me who likes Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Or the George Romero zombie movies, you know, the classics. Okay. You know, it's like, well, those are just dopey, you know, two-hour horror films. I've run across that, too, on the um, many horror forums that I'm a part of is the debate breaks down to, well, you just don't get it. You know, you don't know what real horror is. And I'm like, and I'm like, uh, and I start listing off a bunch of slashers that I love. And they're like, well, you know, you just like the, you know, the easy to watch stuff, you know, you this is hard, you know. These are movies that make you think. I'm like, no, they don't. It's just they're boring. It's just they're art house films that have some gore in them. That's all they fucking are. You know, tr- you know, trying to mix, you know, subtlety of bl- you know, blending light into the shots, and you know, doing some weird shots with the camera. You know, doesn't make it an intelligent film. <laughs> um, and when like movies like Midsommar where it had a lot of really deep stuff that was involved but the thing was to get it I had to do a shit ton of research on what the director was trying to fucking say you know because he had all this stuff about numerology and shit like that you know tied into it but the thing is you, you gotta sit there and do all this research to get it, and then you go back and rewatch it and be like, okay, I get it, and, you know, and I'm awesome now, and it's you know because I fucking get it. And it's like no, that if you, they you didn't get it from watching the movie, and you had to do a, a shit ton of research on it, it means the storyteller didn't do their job. Right. No, I completely agree with that point. Um, because it, like you can watch The Exorcist. You know, and see it even now. I mean, that movie is 73. You watch it now, <clears throat> it's still scary. It's still effective. It's still a great story. Um, when I watched The Witch for the first time with Robert Eggers, I liked it because it was different. It was taking place in the 17th century. They were using accurate language. It was about witchcraft. It was about the witch trial. So it was offering something to me that was different, you know, something that really hadn't been done. Um, but with, with Ari Aster, he did Hereditary, which was just essentially a cult film you know, about people that yeah. worship a demon. And with Midsummer, that was basically just the Wicker Man, just done in a different way. You know, a cult yeah. on a different uh, European island. So 
it's not like it's something new where I'm like, oh, shit, I haven't seen this before. It's like, no, I've seen it before. You know, he's just, you know, has his fans, but they just think that it's just so intelligent and highbrow. You know, it's, if you like Friday 13th Part 2, well, nope, that's not good enough because that's just dumb horror. It's watered-down slasher. It's like, but you're allowed to like what you like at the end of the day. Yeah, but some of them take it too far. It's just, you know, they do. And, and I agree with that, too. <laughs> I think that's just what it comes down to. You know, a lot, and a lot of them, uh, like you had said, a lot of these people are young that see the, the Ari Aster movies. And they think because they've seen this, like, they're, they're the intelligent, you know, horror fan. Yeah. Like, I, I'm classier and I'm more yeah. sophisticated because I get the ins and outs of this movie and I understand. Yeah. It's like, well, you're young. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know yeah. you haven't seen half yeah. of what, yeah. you haven't even seen half the movies yeah. that were inspired yeah. by Hereditary and, you know, and yeah. some and, 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 and that's why it's like, you know, again, talking about these younger viewers, and again, we love you, you know, thank you for listening. But at the Absolutely. same time, yeah, um, the thing about the younger viewers is that it's, don't feel like you need to get sucked into what these movies that are coming out are right now. Don't forget, horror has been out for, like, literally 100 years now. Um, and you have well, 100, well, I mean, you have... Uh, 1898 well, was the first horror film ever made, The Devil's Castle. Okay, I was thinking back to uh, ni- like 1920 with Frankenstein, uh, Nosferatu, you know that kind of shit. I thought those were all around 1920 or so. So that's what I was saying about 100 years. But okay, 100 plus <clears throat> years of horror, yeah. you know. So <laughs> yeah. don't feel like you have to keep yourself niched into the past 20 years. You have decades and decades and decades of awesome horror that you can tap into fun it's all different you know and the further back you go the more fun it like i find it to be because you're tapping into those timelines you're tapping into those time capsules you know and you're able to see how life was like back then and just be able to see how they're able to make horror back then and speaking of horror back then let's get into the movie for tonight 1981 the beyond Directed by Lucio Fulci. Uh, this is my pick for tonight, so I'll just give you a, I'll give you a synopsis, and then uh, we'll get into the ins and outs of this movie. So, in Louisiana, in 1927, a young painter named Schweik is taken from his room by some enraged locals, accusing him of being a warlock. He is tortured and nailed to a wall in the basement by his wrists. Cut to 1981, where the lovely Eliza is renting a hotel, but following a series of unexplained supernatural accidents. She soon learns that this hotel was built on one of the entrances to hell. So that is the Beyond from 1981 in a nutshell. Uh, it's a classic, I think, of Italian horror. It's a part of Lucio Fulci's Gateway to Hell series, which included the City, uh, city of Living Dead and also uh, the third film. And I can't remember it off the top of my head. I'm going to have to go look because I had it in my notes, but I'll remember it. It's uh, yeah. City of the Living Dead, uh, the Beyond, and fuck, one more. But I'm missing it. The um, house, and I'll, the house I'll by the cemetery. The That's house by the it. Cemetery. Yeah, I knew it was that. And it was, yeah, <laughs> Catch on and McCall is in all three. But I had a brain fart. And I'm allowed to have one every now and then. <laughs> but So that is the, the Gates of Hell trilogy, where it's not really a trilogy in the classic sense, where they are all connecting. No. They're just based on all gateways to hell and how the world ends because of them. Uh, again, a classic if you get me, because I love Wojciech Fulci. Uh, obviously, New York Ripper is probably my favorite of his, but this is coming in with a close second. Eh. So, 
That being said, Monkey, what do you think about the Beyond? Oh man, this movie has a, like I didn't realize this until I went back and watched the extra uh, the extras that were on this uh, DVD set because I went and watched the uh, limited edition ten set is is the mm-hmm. set that I watched so I got so I got to check out all the extras that were on there. I didn't realize what a huge fucking cult film this is. This movie has a huge fucking following. Yes, it does. I just wish I, I just wish I knew why. Oh man, <laughs> this like this, this movie is like I love you, brother. I really do. But this movie was a discombobulated mess of what the fuck. Um, don't get me wrong. That was a I had a great, t- I had a great time watching it, but I was like, <laughs> what the fuck is going on? Um, and then. <clears throat> I sit there and did some research and found out I don't think Fulci knew exactly what the fuck he, he knew what the fuck was going on because what he because nope. from <laughs> from what I because from when I from what I read about this movie his pitch was he had a movie poster and he had like um a pitch and that's it and and that's the movie a, yep. studio was like yeah and the movie studio was like well you got a script right and Fulci was like of course I do. And they're like, "Oh, okay. Well, then bring it. Bring the script back in a week, and we'll throw some money at you." And he went and grabbed someone. It was like, "We need to write a script fucking fast." And like within a week's time, they wrote the script for this movie. All right. And then they're like, "Well, we don't know what the fuck this means, but you're faulty. Here's a bag of money, and go make that fucking shit." <laughs> but. <laughs> But that's what I walked away with this. Like, don't get me wrong. It's like, yeah, it, story was all fucked up. Um, but gore, gore was there. Special effects were there. Oh, my God, gore was there. I've had so much fucking fun with this gore. But we're going to get into that shit in a little bit. King, please tell me why you like – no, please tell me why you love this movie. Uh, I just – I think – because you kind of nailed it in a way when you had said that. It's just a, a discombobulated movie. And that's the way that Lucio always planned it on being, was he just wanted to make a movie that was kind of like an absolute cinema film. That's what he called it. Um, it's just, he knew that it wasn't going to make much sense. Like he knew that it was just kind of, of different kind of scenes of different things that were happening. He just wanted to kind of have that ultimate thread of this is a gateway to hell. And that's it. As long as we can get there, that's fine. Like when he filmed the movie, uh, Larry Ray, who was on the board of the Louisiana Film Commission, he played the painter that falls off the, yeah. uh, the, the little thing that they have. He, uh, he said uh-huh. that when he was talking with Joe, he only had a three-page outline the entire time they were filming that they, of what to do. <laughs> yeah. So there wasn't scripts. There was a three-page outline, and that's it. And then Lucio would just enact what he wanted the actors to do because he spoke Italian. He didn't speak English. So he basically had to pantomime everything of what he wanted his actors to do because they didn't speak Italian either. They were English actors. Mm. So they just kind of had to go off of what Lucio <laughs> wanted. And that's how they got it. But it, it's just, it's just, the gore is fantastic, like you had said. You know, the, oh, the yeah. score by Fabio Fritzi is excellent. And that's why I've always found my way into this movie, because it's just, it's such a, a visually a great movie. Okay. Yeah, because like you said, and again, because it's just here, you know, just us here, guess what? We can go behind the scenes all we fucking want tonight. So we're going <laughs> to yeah. do this shit, okay? <laughs> um, because, again, 
I enjoyed all of the interviews that I saw of from Fulci on, on this special edition DVD set. And it was funny because every time someone would ask, you know, Fulci, you know, well, what, you know, hey, you know, what was your intent for this movie? You know, what was your vision for this movie? And then Fulci would sit there and start to sit there and talk real slow in English about, you know, well, I wanted to create this movie about the gates of hell and, you know, opening the gates of hell and bringing hell onto earth. And then as he started to run out of shit to actually talk about, he would start talking more and more in Italian and then just start talking really (laughs) fast in Italian. So no one knew what the fuck he was saying. And then after he was done, the entire crowd would be like, yeah. Yeah, Fulci, you are so awesome, Hubert. And just shaking his head, I know, I know, you know. <laughs> and, and I had never seen interviews from Fulci before, so catching They're him behind the scenes yeah. stuff. And it just threw me off yeah, how he, much he sounds like Dom DeLuise. He sounds yeah. exactly like Dom yeah. DeLuise, man. <laughs> yeah, what sort of like him do? Because he does have the cameo in the yeah. library. Yeah. When Martin goes to the library, yeah. that's what you'll fool you right there. Always with the glasses on top but, of his head. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but, the, but then I was also reading, like, you know, this whole movie was fly by the seat of your pants because you were talking about he only had a three-page, you know, not really a script, just a layout, like you said. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, he, he – and – I was seeing stuff about like, you know, he, he and Ray would go driving around town, you know, trying to pick out, you know, spots to shoot stuff and whatnot. And Ray would be like, you know, this is a really good spot. And then Fulci would all of a sudden be like, you know, this is awesome. Break out the cameras, break, you know, get everybody out here. All right, let's start yeah. doing shit. And they just start making shit up on the fucking fly, you know? And it was like, and before, you know, and it would be like, okay, Fulci, what are we doing? What's the, what's the deal? And Fulci, like you said, with pantomime, you know, what's going on, and they were literally just making up scenes on the fucking fly. Entire yeah, fucking scene, just because Fulci liked how that particular area looked. And that's exactly how we opened the movie with the Long Lake, that the, the locals are coming up on. Larry Ray showed him that Long Lake, and Fulci was like, that's great, yes, let's put it in the fucking movie. Like, we'll use it. And they broke out some boats, and they put some actors in it. Yeah. And that's how they get that old scene of them yeah. going up to the Seven Doors Hotel yeah. to find Schweik in yeah. Room 36, yeah. who's making this painting yeah. of death. Yeah. And But on the flip side, though, like, on all of this, it's like, you know, is at the same time going back and then, like, you know, watching the movie and then sitting there checking out all of this research about the movie, it's like I have – like mad respect for Fulci now, like about his mad scientist approach to filmmaking, just like a- almost like you know one of those crazy ass fucking artists that just sit there and just splatter shit all over, over all over the fucking canvas, and you know fifteen minutes later it's a fucking finished picture because like like you said this whole thing about the lakes he was inspired he was like get everyone put him in period costume we're gonna shoot this whole fucking thing in sepia this you know and we're gonna sit there and take this thing back to the 1920s and he's literally making this shit up on the fly like he's literally creating all the story as it's fucking going you know and he's like we're gonna shoot it this is what's going on you know this is the thing where it fits in the movie we're not sure but it's it's definitely gonna be in the fucking movie go (laughs) and that's yeah at the start of the movie you have no idea what the fuck is going on these people arrive on a boat and they go into a hotel and they're looking for a guy and then they drag him out of his room into the basement and they start beating him with chains. 
what what is going on? Like, why are they hurting this person? We don't know who he is, and they're like warlock. You're a warlock, and we're gonna put you crucified on this wall in the basement. And you get that great effect of the nails going into his wrists, and it's such a great effect because you just don't really quite see how they did it. But when you read up on the background, you're like, okay, that's how, because it just looks so solid. It looks like they're actually nailing it into his wrists. That, and then we also like. um we have this skinny, skinny dude that's just in his room, you know, up on the top floor, you know, just wanting to create his paintings, and it just kept giving me flashbacks to space, you know, because the whole thing of, you know, I'm an artist, you know, what do you oh, do? Yeah. You, know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know where I'm going. <laughs> but, but, yeah, you know, the, the whole mob shows up, you know, drag his ass down, you know, and then we have these awesome – scenes of them, you know, just whipping them with fucking chains, and you see the flesh just split, splitting and splattering all over the fucking place, you know, and that, you know, that whole poultry thing of the way he does gore and, you know, the way he does blood splatter as opposed to Argento, you know, completely mm-hmm. different, and <clears throat> and Fulci decides he's really, really gonna dig eyeballs and dissolving shit in this movie. And he makes it clear, clear straight off the get-go. This is what you're gonna fucking get throughout the entire movie. Is we are gonna give you lots of eyeballs and lots of bubbly dissolving shit. <laughs> yeah, he loves his eyeballs popping out. You know, I mean, it's definitely seen in this movie. But yeah, that's what I like. What you said about that, how Fulci is different from Argento, because with Fulci, he liked to linger on the shots of, of wounds, like on the face, and then he would linger on the chest as it was getting stabbed. You know, or the nails going through the wrist. He would really focus on those wounds to really make sure you felt it. That this guy is going through some fucking painful shit. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. It's like, you know, and Argento will sit there and focus on the act, but he won't really, like, you know, of trying to show something of pain, you know, but not really so much torture. You know, like uh, when we did that movie the other time and, you know, and. Argento shouldn't they're showing the dude you know, getting his teeth raked against the fucking grill and shit like that, you know, trying to feel that shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but here it's like, yeah, he's right, trying yeah. to capture all Yeah. Um but here he's trying to capture all that blood, all that anguish, you know, and then being you know, trapped almost <clears throat> excuse me, Edgar Allan Poe like behind the wall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because with this artist's death that uh, is one of the seven doors of hell that needs to be opened, a sacrifice. So once that sacrifice yes. is made, one of those doors to hell opens, and that's why Schweiss doesn't want to be sacrificed, because he knows if that happens, yes. one of the doors is going to be open, yes. and that's not what you want. But yes. with his death, he has to crash right into 1981 with yes. Liza Merrill, uh, played by Catriona <laughs> McCall. Fresh out of New York, and just renovating this old uh, hotel, trying to bring it back to its former glory. Um, and see if she can reopen it and make some cash, which is, uh, you know, great on her part. Mm, yes. Oh, everything has to be done. I got painters, and, you know, nothing yes. bad's going to happen, right? <laughs> and, again, though, it's like here we have a little bit of problems because straight off the bat, like you said, you know, <clears throat> we had that uh, getting crucified in the back, and that's supposed to be one of the seven gates. Wish they had elaborated that more about the gates throughout the entire film. All right. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And I think that's something yeah. that Fulci tripped up on is, you know, that we need to have the seven gates open and 
maybe they you know should have been more elaborate of a separate symbol somewhere at each gate, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, but like you said, you know, we get there, we open up, you know. 60 years later, you know, somehow she inherits this thing from her, like, great-great-uncle or some shit like that. You know, for some reason, no one has fucking touched this place in 60 fucking years. The sign is still literally outside. The same sign that was sitting there in 1927 is still there, ironically, you know, because apparently there was Mm -hmm. no pillaging or looting or anything in New Orleans ever. (laughs) No. None. What are you talking about? None. (laughs) Yeah, and that's what I love about this entire movie is it's fucking New Orleans, man. Shit goes down in fucking New Orleans, you know. But you have all these old rundown buildings that have all this awesome fucking shit in it. Like no one's ever thought to fucking break <laughs> into a house and see if there's some awesome shit in here. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, we have the painters up on the roof on the scaffolding. Uh, Larry Ray, who plays the one that falls off the scaffolding because he sees a pair of eyes. And I just love when he falls off because immediately blood starts coming out of his mouth and says, oh, shit, he's dead. Even though it wasn't a far fall, no, yep. he's, he's gone her, man. <laughs> well, and then she's laying on the couch and loved it when they – yeah, go ahead. I'm he, was up on the third, he, he was up on the third fucking floor, man. That, 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 that's a tall fucking fall, man. <laughs> it didn't look that far. Like, it, just, it didn't look really that far of a fall. But, um, I loved it when uh, Dr. John McCabe shows up. And he's like looking at him, and his eyes are rolled back in his head. He's like, "All right, let's lift him up and put." I was like, "No, what? Pretty sure you shouldn't be lifting up this guy and without a backpack <laughs> and putting him in the back of your car." <laughs> and and on top of that, it's like you know, call the doctor. It's like, okay, I know this takes place in like 1980 because that's when it was shot. I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. they had ambulances in 1980. Why did someone say call oh, an yeah. ambulance instead instead of call the doctor, you know, again, you know, I guess maybe this is just Fulci trying to bring that, you know, small town Italian feel into it of, you know, call the town doctor, you know, we don't need to, you know, no one calls an ambulance because <laughs> even the doctor was like, let's get him to, let, let's personally get him to the hospital instead of, let's call an ambulance so the EMTs can come and carry him away properly, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, but yeah, let's, let's just grab his arm, grab his legs, and we'll throw him in the back of my fucking station wagon. Take him over to the hospital. <laughs> but, okay, okay, and I just want to say this one thing about the doctor is I fucking love that he showed up in that fucking car because he's uh, – I'm sorry. Uh, you know I pay attention to the cars in the movie, all right? Yes, he you showed do. Up no, and he, he, he showed up in a car with a fucking Earl Shive paint job, man, where I guess they were trying to make the thing look fancy, so they painted the whole thing glossy almonds. But they like they painted everything on the fucking car, all of the fucking trim, all of the fucking bumper. <laughs> they even they even painted the hubcaps to match the rest of the car. The only thing that was not painted on that fucking car, almond yellow, was the front fucking grill. But seriously, you go back and watch that movie. Every everything is fucking painted the same fucking color. <laughs> I'm gonna have to look at that now. That's what. That's why I laugh my ass off. <laughs> and Sorry, they also Kate, have uh, two servants in this house that are working on the house, Arthur and Martha. Um, they're just kind of creepy in their own right, you know, walking around the house. Like I like when no Martha's doubt. in the basement with Joe the plumber, and she's like, "I created a path <laughs> for the plumber to come through." I'm like, "Where did fucking you just come from?" <laughs> <laughs> 
you came out of nowhere. And you're in the basement. Like, yeah, I cleared up faster than you can get there. It's like, okay, thank you, Martha. And then later when John's like, well, I've never heard of those people before. What? <laughs> what? Yeah, like, like John knows everybody in town. You know, he's claiming he knows everybody in town. <laughs> but, but at but the same time, Martha, Martha. Was, but Martha was like, I made this pass for you, Joe. Like, somehow she knows the plumber's yeah. name, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and Joe's then Joe's plumbing. Any, and I don't know if it was supposed to be a joke or not on um, Fulci's part. When he when he showed up, Plumber pulls up, and he's got that big old um, <clears throat> excuse me bumper plate on the front that says Jesus is the answer. I saw that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought that it was his jab. <laughs> you know. Yeah. That's what he had that again, on there. I, because again, I went in here blind, so I was like, oh, okay, we're gonna have some demonic shit coming in soon. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely think that was Fulci uh, just kind of being fun. Um, but I do like the fact that they have room 36 where Schleich was at one point, and that bell keeps ringing. She's like, but there's no guests here yet. Must be a malfunction. <laughs> anyway, moving on. <laughs> Joe's here. <laughs> so go do your plumbing shit, Joe. Okay, I'm going to go down here with my beard, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> knock out a wall because that's where the water's coming from. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like fucking Niagara Falls in the basement, okay? And – we're not going to get into the whole thing about how houses don't have basements in New Orleans. All right. We're going to nix that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Because mm-hmm. this, <laughs> this, is, this, this, this is a fantasy story, and we're going to stick with that. Okay. So there's this big, huge basement, and apparently fucking Niagara Falls going in the fucking basement. And Joe's going in there. He's like, here's the – oh, leaks coming from the other side of here. Let me knock down this entire fucking wall. He's incredible fucking Hulk. You know, me personally, it's like I would have been like a little bit more hesitant about knocking down a wall because I was waiting for like a big, huge sprawl of water to just come out from behind there when he started knocking shit out. <laughs> right? Exactly. No. Yeah. I thought. Yeah, I thought that was going to happen. Except no, it's this weird hole that he finds, and he just can't explain why it's coming out the way that it is until the fucking hand shoots out, and Fulci trademark the eyeball gets popped out right by the skull. Yes. <laughs> oh my god! And it was. <laughs> And and it's so good. It's like the way he just like take, he takes his time with it. He he really does, and just you know it lets well, you squirm wonder, a little yeah. bit while you, yeah, and just let let you squirm while you're watching it. <laughs> Fucking loved it, and and this particular shot I really liked just because it was so quick and so fluid that you really couldn't tell when the double kicked in. Like, you know, the, the the body double. It was just, you know, as opposed to other shots later where it gets worse, this one was, like, the, in my opinion, the best out of, out of all the eyeball shots. Yeah. And I love it when Martha goes down to the basin later looking for Arthur, and then she discovers the body of Joe the plumber because Joe isn't just laying on the ground dead. No, he pops out, and you see that his eyes are gone, and he's fucking puking up all fucking body mass liquids and shit like that. I'm like, yep. Fault you, baby. Yeah. <laughs> he makes it but, gross. But, Mar- but Martha's hard as fucking nails. No pun intended. Um, because mm-hmm. like, she's just like, because she's just like, oh, <laughs> guess Joe's dead. Like, no reaction, no nothing. She's just all super fucking chill, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, that's another dead body. But we'll find out about Martha, too. You know, we could debate who Martha really is, you know, in the movie, and including Arthur, too. Um, you know, who they really are. Because apparently jo- John McCabe, the doctor, doesn't know who they are. 
I know everybody in town. I don't know. I don't know Arthur and Martha though. Yeah. Don't know who yeah. the hell they are. <laughs> yeah, um, I, yeah. I'm sorry. Louisiana's a big fucking place, but apparently, he, you know, he, he gets around. <laughs> <laughs> um, we also get introduced at this point when Liza's driving over the bridge to New Orleans to uh, Emily and her German Shepherd Dickie. And obviously, Emily is blind, but she can clearly tell that Liza's at the Seven Doors Hotel. You can't stay there. Bad place. Bad juju going on there, so you better just fucking leave. Oh. I'm telling you now. And she's like, well, I'm not going anywhere. She's like, you're a funeral. <laughs> yeah, but Stan, like, and th- this shot confused me because I didn't realize that those those kind of bridges exist in Louisiana. Um, yeah, they do. Because you know, yeah. all of a sudden I was like, there's the Florida Keys? Just because just it's this big, <laughs> huge fucking bridge, over, you know, over this big body of water. And in the middle of this bridge, for some, for some reason, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, Liza's driving down the middle of the road. You know, <laughs> she's driving down the middle of both lanes because she's, cause she's on her way to the hospital to go, um, go visit her painter friend and check, check him out. Yeah. But yeah. then, you know, but... <laughs> But yeah, then Emily stops him and he's like, "Uh, yeah, you need to not stay at that hotel anymore. You need to just get rid of it." And she's like, "Uh, no." <laughs> and those contacts, though, that uh, the actress wore, uh, Cynthia Monrale, uh played Emily, and she went by Sarah Keller, a very American name for the American version. She didn't go by her real name mm-hmm. for the American version. Um, those contacts that everybody had to wear, those opaque ones, that are much like Evil Dead, where they're just purple <laughs> to your eyes and hard to get out. Like, you could tell that this was painful to wear. Like, mm. this is 1981. Yeah. Like, those fuckers yeah. must have been so painful to wear. Well, um, these were, uh, again, 1981, so contacts were actually made out of glass. And <laughs> what they did is, for these, they um, ordered a bunch of pairs of these, and then they had their effects guy actually paint them. Uh, so you so he painted on the outside of the lenses to give him that wonky f- faded out look, you know. So so not all. So yeah. I wear contacts all the time. So not only do you have to be wearing these glass contacts, but then you have that extra added weight of a layer of paint on top of it, where you can barely, if you're lucky, if <laughs> see anything out of these fucking contacts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, it was early things, so it's it's difficult. Like you could tell that they probably weren't very comfortable to wear. Um, but after she meets Eliza, uh, Emily and gets the warning, we go to the hospital where you have Mary Beth and her daughter Jill coming to see the body of Joe at the hospital, um, and we get introduced to another doctor friend of uh, John, who's played by Al Cliver, who you might know from another Witcher poultry film, Zombie. Where he was the main hero of that film. And this one, he plays the second fiddle doctor who wants to measure the heartbeats of this strange body that they found at the seven doors of of hotel. Let's just hook these things up and just see if there's a heartbeat. Nah, you're fucking stupid. Okay. Well, well, it doesn't look too bad for a body that's only supposed to be six years old. (laughs) You fucked up your lives. He says six. It's supposed to be 60. Because <laughs> when he yeah. <laughs> when he said it, I was like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> yeah, when Doctor Harris says six years, we're like, "You got to add a zero to that, bud." It's <laughs> like a six-year-old body, but I want to measure it to see if it has a heartbeat. <laughs> okay, 
pretty sure okay. you're dead. Pretty sure you're not going to get anything okay. out of that. See, I thought he was trying to measure uh, brain waves. That that's why you had the yeah. um, diode up right. there yeah, on top of the head. That. Hmm. Yeah, he might have been doing but, brain yeah. waves. Yeah. Either way, it's kind of like but, a useless cause. Like, no, it's, it's a dead body. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah, but he's like, okay, fine, do it, do whatever the fuck you want. But just bear in mind, when I get back, I'm doing a fucking autopsy, okay? So do whatever mad scientist <laughs> yeah. shit you want. But when I get back, that fucker's getting chopped up, all right? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, th- and then and then we're ordering Subway, and we're putting that sandwich right on top of the chest, all right? Because that's Cause you have to, because we're calling this too. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but Mary Beth, you know, leaving Jill outside. So she can go in and dress Joe up in his funeral best. I'm like, okay, first of all, that never happens. That's <laughs> yeah. not what yeah, happens yeah. when you have a body in the hospital. Uh, they don't bring clothes, and they don't know to cut the fucking back out of the shirt so they could drape it over. Uh, that's new. <laughs> it's like, if you worked in a funeral home, you would know that's how they dress a body. But uh, she's just a wife and a mother, so, but she knows because she's going to dress him real nice. Yeah. Until yeah. she gets so scared by what she sees that she ends up getting a bottle of acid to the face. Oh, and I fucking love this shot. Oh, my God. It's like, oh, okay, first of all, like, I didn't re- – I'm upset that we don't get to see what she screams about. Okay. Right. And mm-hmm. but, but on the flip side, I took it as something freaky went down, and then somehow forces at work were the thing that actually – knocked the bottle of acid down. Despite what the wiki page says about her, you know, knocking the bottle loose or whatever, because no, second yeah. of all, who the who the fuck stores, you know, the highly, highly bottle of acid on the very, very top of a fucking six foot cabinet. Okay? Where you gotta reach <laughs> and maybe sip for it. Yeah. Uncapped, you know, it's like you know, that would be down capped, you know, it's lower, lower cabinet, but still it falls, and we just get this awesome, awesome shot of the acid just pouring away. And, again, I was just really digging what Fulci was doing with special effects here of a lot of melting in this movie. And it was a lot of fun yeah. because um, cause you had the face and, a, you know, this was, like, you know, second favorite um, just because it still looked good. It wasn't too porous as, as far as effects were. Right. And as it was going... Unfortunately, you could see some of the paint come off, but then they were mm-hmm. really fucking smart because after the paint come off and it would start to turn colors and shit like that, they put some capsules in there so the shit could actually explode once shit started to dissolve. So then once shit started to explode because it was dissolving and shit like that, I was like, oh, nice job for throwing that goodie in there. Okay. <laughs> they covered it. It was great. And especially when Jill comes walking into the room. And she sees the acid just devouring her mother's face. And you see that pool of blood, you know, the acid mixed in with the blood just coming at her feet. And she's like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. Like, you know, I don't want to be here anymore. I got to get out of here. Yeah. Like, every fucking door is locked in this yeah. morning, except for one when yeah. she finds the body that lunges at her. And she screams and it's like, oh, to, we'll find out what yeah. happened to her. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. I, she had quite a scare. I, I almost told I almost took this moment, like, of her edging away, and it's, like, kind of chasing around the room. It's almost kind of like a, a small blob moment. Yes, yeah, I definitely looked at the blob, you know, with it coming after her like that. Mm-hmm. I definitely got that vibe. I was like, very cool, okay. but it's just the – it worked, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. But you just don't really know what happened to her because they, they cut back to John mm-hmm. and Liza at dinner 
where he's talking about being a doctor, but also because of what happened to him being a doctor, he's an atheist now. So again, Fulci playing with that. You know, the whole Jesus and religion, you know, he's giving a doctor being an atheist where it's like, yeah, no, I don't believe in that life. <laughs> yeah, I've, I, I've seen some you do. shit, man. Yeah, I, I've seen some shit, man. You know, meanwhile, we're hanging out in Louisiana, you know, jazz band going on. Uh, tell me about how fucked up your life is, you know. <laughs> oh, well, you know, I tried to be everything. I, I tried to be everything a woman could in New York legally because I'm supposed to be from New York, but I have an English accent, you know. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> I can't put actress, a New York accent on. Dancer, secretary, no stripper, no nothing like that because I'm a good girl. All right. <laughs> but then the doctor yeah. to call. about Marianne's death at the hospital so they cut to the funeral in the cemetery and I like the whole thing of having Jill there and her head's down the entire time her eyes are closed so you're thinking well she's just really upset you know she lost her dad she lost her mom Eliza's there to comfort her I just love that shot single shot of Jill walking away from the funeral then they cut to just her lifting her head up and opening her eyes and they're completely opaque it's like shit she's like yeah She's one of them now. <laughs> but, like, on the flip side, though, it's like this, like, side thing that I noticed is, like, you had this, this funeral going on, and everyone sit there hugging and kissing Jill, you know, talking about, I'm so sorry. You know, then the priest is like, you know, God be with you. And then she's fucking left alone. It's like, who the yeah. fuck is there mm-hmm. to take care of fucking Jill? You know, it's just <laughs> yeah, you know. like, no grandparents it's like, or nothing. It's, Aunts, uncles, anybody? It's like, okay, you know, we're sorry. God be with you. Uh, pat on the back. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> You're an orphan now. It's, 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 You're out in the world. <laughs> yeah. You know, even the priest is like, okay, I did my job. I wave my incense. All right. Uh, kiss, kiss, bye. You know, I was like, what the fuck? But, but still, great <laughs> shot um, of showing up. And then, you know, yeah, like you said, you know, just right up there, boom, in your face. And I was like, and especially, you know, tiny little ginger kid, you know, scary as fuck. <laughs> yeah. And one of my other favorite shots of this movie uh, is after the funeral when Liza goes home and Emily confronts her with Dickie. And she's like, I'm telling you, you need to leave. Like, this is bad. You know, the dead are going to be coming. You need to leave this place. And she's like, well, I just, I don't really feel like I have to. And she's like, they're coming. Don't you understand? And then she runs out of the house. But then they play it back where you can hear Liza's footsteps, but you can't hear Dickie's or Emily's footsteps, which kind of leads you to think maybe they're spirits. Maybe they're not. Who knows, but it's weird that they don't have footsteps. Again, this is Fulci being weird because I didn't fucking get this shot, man. I I rewatched this three times trying to figure out what the (laughs) fuck he was getting at, okay? Because I didn't know if they were showing it because she was running out because the shot is she runs out and Dickie follows. She's supposed to yes, be blind. Okay. Yeah. So how is she, she? So I didn't know if they were like trying to show something of, you know, she's not really blind and, you know, that's why she's like running out scared and Dickie's following her, you know, or something like that. That That's what I was like maybe getting. Like I, and I just took the whole thing of everything being quiet as just, you know, Fulci being Fulci and trying to do an art shot, you know, <laughs> with like heartbeats in the background or some shit like that. You know, <laughs> I didn't, re- yeah, I didn't realize that. 
that was what he was shooting for. And that's why I think he went back and did it. Like, they repeated it, where you, you hear Liza's footsteps, but then they repeat the shot of Emily and Dickie running out of the house, and you don't hear anything from them. So it leads you to believe that they're just on a spiritual plane, you know, and that's why they don't have footsteps. I mean, I, like I said, I just love the shot. You know, it's the fact that he went back in and did it again. Like, in case you didn't know the first fucking time, they don't have footsteps. <laughs> they are not here. <laughs> they are spirits. That's who they are, <laughs> you know. Um, but now you have Liza just completely ignoring Emily about room 36, and she's going the fuck in there to find out what the fuck is going on with this hotel. And yeah. I got to find out what exactly is so scary about this fucking room. It's like 237 in The Shining. It's so scary. Don't go in there, but I'm going to go in anyway. Uh, David Jackson and that's where said, she don't just, stay. <laughs> he said, yep. don't go in that fucking room. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, but when she gets into that she room, goes, that's where she yeah. – yeah, go ahead, Monkey. Yeah, I was going to say, not only does she go into the room, man, she goes in balls to the wall where it's like she cracks that fucker open with a hatchet. She's like, I don't have to oh, yeah. Fuck it. <laughs> I'm determined to get into this room. This room is locked. <laughs> not anymore, motherfucker. <laughs> and she just cracks no that motherfucker doors. open with not a hatchet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Said my mom when I was a but teenager. She, <laughs> yeah, I know. So that's where she discovers the book of Ibon, which is connected to Lovecraft mythology. You know, for those of you who don't know, uh, the book of Ibon is connected to uh, Lovecraft. And that's why Fulci put it in there, so it has more of a cosmic thing than just regular yeah, supernatural. Through, but she also discovers yeah, the body the, of Sweat. Cthulhu mythos, right? Yes, that's right. Okay. Yeah, it's part of the Cthulhu mythos. And that's where she also discovers Schweik nailed to the wall as a corpse. And she freaks completely out and runs into the arms of John, who's like, don't worry, baby. There's no such thing. I'll show you. See? There's nothing <laughs> up here. There's some nails in the wall. That's weird. But nothing else. Stop being so crazy, huh? Yeah. They look rusty, not bloody. You know. It's completely rationalizing. Yeah. You know, Schweiz is like, leave me alone. I'm just hanging around. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm just hanging out. What's up? Is it 81 already? But then at the same time, like, this confused me a little bit because it's like, why the fuck were the nails there? Because they didn't, you know, he, he wasn't crucified in that room. He was crucified in the no, basement. No, in the basement. Exactly. Yeah, so why? So for some so reason, why, the nails were the nails? Yes, that's, that's what I'm getting at. <laughs> Yeah. No. Yeah. No, he moved him up. That's all. <laughs> but after, yeah, but again, uh, after the yeah, whole thing we'll in the room, they decide that they're gonna go take a walk around town. You know, and that's where she goes by a bookstore and discovers the book Ibon in that store. But when she goes in, it's a completely different book. And the bookstore keeper who just has that giddy little off, that book's been here for years. What are you going back, man? Book. Bookkeeper freaked me the fuck out, man, because he had the longest nose hairs I'd ever seen. It's like, I'm um, <laughs> sorry, what copy? I don't know if you saw the same copy I saw, but my copy was in 1080. All right, and he had the yep, longest yep. fucking nose hairs, and they were on the outside of his nose, like on the out, oh, not yeah. coming out of his nose. They were on the outside of his nose. I was like, oh my god, he looked like a fucking troll. Oh my, okay, sorry. Moving on. <laughs> Shopping montage is over. She she's so crazy because she's seeing shit in stores. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, she thinks that it's a, it's the book that she saw, but it's not. And then again, John's like, you're just seeing things. Like that's not the book that you saw. So forget about it. Let's just go. 
<laughs> you're just a, you're just you're just a woman. You lose your nerve. You women do this all the time. <laughs> That's how it goes in Italian movies. And if in the we meantime, you had her friend Martin Avery, who we saw at the beginning of the movie walking with her, talking about the motel, or hotel, what she wanted to do with it. He decides to go to the local library to look up the blueprints for the Seven Doors Hotel, you know, and see if there's anything weird going on with the hotel. And that's where we get our introduction to Lucio Fulci playing the librarian, who tells him, i got to go to lunch, but you can look at whatever you want. It's okay, well, mon ami. Well, <laughs> well, also, the thing is, Avery's at this thing because Liza has finally given him permission to go ahead and do mm-hmm. renovations and restorations to the place because since she got yeah. it, he was like, you know, chawing at the bit because he wanted to totally restore it, upgrade it, you know, and she just wanted to sit there and just put it back to the way it was while he wanted to add some new amenities, you know, and... Yeah, go ahead, I'm sorry. And, yeah, and she, I got you, King. And she wanted to, you know, finally she was like, you know what, go ahead, do what you need to. Things have been wonky as shit. I can keep a fucking... I can't keep help alive for shit. Knock yourself out. You know, he's like, I have carte blanche. She goes, no. <laughs> you do not have a... Bl- you have carte blanche, but you do not have a blank check. Let's keep this shit within reason. <laughs> so, yeah. That's why he wants to so go to the yeah. library to look up the, the blueprint yeah. so he can look into it yeah. and see so he goes, what he could do with the place. He, so Fulci goes on break, but weirdly enough, Fulci locks the fucking door going, and I'll lock the door behind you so no one will disturb you. Me, personally, I never like being locked in a room because you know how bad I got to piss <laughs> all the time. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah. what if I need to pee? That was the first thing that popped into my head when Fulci was like, and I'll lock the door behind you. And I was like, oh, no, don't do that. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, I know. But, but there, okay with it because he just starts looking at folks. Yeah, you know, climb so he goes, pulls up to get it. And he sits there and comes across these plans, and maybe can you know can know something better about the plans. It's like he sees the plans, and like he has this moment of like, oh shit, you know. And I couldn't figure out what was that oh shit moment about looking at that specific set of plans that caused him to have that alarm. It's bigger than it actually is. <clears throat> the plans show a bigger space than what he expected. So it's kind of like, why the fuck is it so big? But he doesn't have a chance to kind of think about it because he gets struck off that ladder and falls to the floor paralyzed. And then we bring in the spiders. Okay. King, King, I just got to say, I appreciate that you are willing to watch a movie where we have a spider scene. All right. Cause I know how you are about spiders. And when spiders came yeah. out, I was like, holy shit. When, when the spiders came out, I was like, holy shit, is this really the king's pick? Did the king really <laughs> pick a movie where this is fucking going down? Because this is Fulci, and I know it's not going to be pretty. <laughs> holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> no. no, and it's just that you have this army of tarantulas climbing all over Martin's body. And then it's, it's, it's fun to me because you can clearly tell that some of them are fake. They're clearly rubber mm-hmm. spiders. <laughs> you guys, you <laughs> have, are not real. You, you have some that are. You have. I loved it. You have some that are crawling, and then you have some that are hopping <laughs> because they are yeah. obviously fake. <laughs> oh my god! I laughed my ass off so hard at this scene. Is like, I oh, knew yeah. it was supposed yeah. to be scary, scary, but it's like at the same time, I was like, oh, 
<laughs> no. <laughs> but because then you have like the real uh, spiders on the face, and you know their legs are dipping into yeah. the fake eye, so they could drag out the eye. You know, then you have the one pink yeah. spider going into his mouth to dig out the yeah. tongue. I mean, it's it's mm. so fake. But at the same time, it's just cool. Like, it's just such a weird fucking gross scene of this guy's tongue being ripped apart by, by spiders. And, uh, but on the flip side, it's like, again, like, I got nothing against spiders, but I'd be fucking damned if I'm going to let anything crawl on me. All right? And I don't know if it was the actual, you know, actor who did it or if there's a stunt guy involved. But, yeah, I would never, never let fucking, like, five tarantulas be crawling over all over me. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no. But meanwhile, as this is happening, we also cut back to the hotel, and Martha is cleaning out one of the bathrooms, and obviously the tub is clogged with some nasty-looking hair and some black water. And as she's <laughs> unclogging that tub, the body of Joe shows back up, and for some reason he's wearing a blue shirt now. Not like the white one that his oh. wife put on when he was in the hospital. Yeah. Now yeah. he has a blue shirt on. Mm. But he's yeah. not going to let Martha yeah. escape this room. And I love the shot yeah. between the hands of Martha where you see his face. Oh! And then you have that nail yeah. in the wall, and you're focusing on that nail, and it just looks so fucking gigantic as he's backing her head up into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just it's getting close. You, you know what's happening. You know what's getting ready to happen. You know. But, but again, I was not expecting another fucking eyeball. I really was not expecting another one. Like, I was just expecting <laughs> yeah. a, a, an awesome slam. You know, uh, I, I was expecting a slam against the back of the head, you know, and then just a gush of blood out of the mouth. That's all I was expecting. I was not expecting this awesome shot of Joe slamming Martha's head against the nail and then literally instant eye pop out. Like, just literally. Instantaneous. Yep. I was like, oh, on. my God. And I was like, oh, my God, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Let's linger on it as the blood flows out. Um, and then after her death, we cut back to Emily, who's now in her house, and she's completely terrified because the corpses of Arthur and Schweike and Mary Beth, they've all come to collect her, and she's screaming about how she did her job. She's not going back. She's not going to hell. She's not going with them, and you can't take me. And she's six dicky on Schweike. It goes after Schweik, just biting on him, tearing at him, having a drop-down dog-out fight. And then Dickie returns. And she's like, good job, Dickie. You're a good boy, aren't you? And then you cut to him with covered in fake blood. And he goes right for her throat. Dickie, no! Dickie, no! You know, oh, fuck. Gouging out her throat. <laughs> well, okay. Now, see, this threw me off, though, is because... You know, we have this long ass thing, like you said, of her, you know, sending Dickie to go, and it's literally like it feels like 15 minutes of her yelling nothing but Dickie attack, Dickie attack, and then we just get this yelp, you know, and mm-hmm. literally my heart, my literally my heart sank for you for a moment because I was like, holy shit, we literally just had a scene of spiders, and now we're having a scene <laughs> where a dog dies. Oh my god, how the fuck is this king's pick? It's like this is everything he fucking hates. You know, but then the note comes back, <laughs> yeah. and I was like, oh, oh, okay, we're good, we're good. Okay, that's why the king was okay with this. Okay. But, yeah, that's like right. you said, <laughs> and, you know, dogs covered in blood and shit like that, and I took this as, like, as soon as Dickie lost his shit, I, 
I literally jumped because I was, I was not expecting that. I was like, oh fuck, Dicky, what the fuck are you doing? And, and Dicky is like <laughs> yeah. just fucking going fucking ravage on this fucking shit, you know. And like I found out, like Doghead, they built a yep. fake prosthetic neck, uh, fake fake prosthetic ears and shit like that. Like this this fucking shot, like this literally like thirty seconds of shit, literally took three days to shoot. Oh, yeah, yep. It was not easy, but they got it. And I also got what they were going for, too. Um, they were going for see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil, with the particular uh, way that Dickie attacked Emily. Because she's already blind, so he's going to rip out her vocal cords, then he's going to rip off her ears. So she can't hear anymore, oh. she can't speak anymore, and she can't see. Oh, interesting. Okay. So that but was the whole thing that they like, were going for. Yeah. yeah. But again, this is where like Fulci was losing me because it's like all of a sudden it's like, okay, why the fuck are all these other things back and why the fuck are they going after her now? It's like again, Fulci, you're just making shit up as you go along. It's like, but she I, said it. She's I, like, I, I don't want to go back because it's obviously she's a spirit that came from hell, so she doesn't want to go back. <laughs> you know, yeah, trying but, to take okay, her back but, and she doesn't want to go. All right, but again, like we said about Beastmaster, I'm going to say the exact same thing about this movie. You know, was. You know, she goes, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do this. <laughs> and the studio was like, yes, yes here's more money. You're Fulci. You can have all the money you want. You know, the studio would not say no to Fulci about, you know, you know, I want to have undead. Sure. I want to have demons. Sure. I'm going to have a, a spider army. Fuck yes. I want to have a possessed dog. Awesome. I want to have a jazz band. Okay. Yeah, Fulci said no to nothing And the studio was like, let him do whatever he wants He's fucking Fulci <laughs> Yeah And why is that? The hotel is being attacked by these spirits Including Arthur who attacks her John goes to Emily's house And finds it completely abandoned He finds the book of Yvonne And he feels like, okay, so Eliza just placed it there Eliza just placed it there And that's it. she's just crazy So when he goes back there And he quickly realizes that shit's gone south Real fucking fast because the walls start to fucking bleed and everything's going out of control. It's like, all right, so you weren't telling the truth, huh? That's kind of crazy. <laughs> go figure. So all let's right. get the. So let's go run to the hospital uh, because that's the only safe space while the ghosts yeah. fucking inhabit this house, which is I thought was a great shot yeah. when they show them leaving and then you get to see all the ghosts walking around in the fucking hotel. Oh yeah, I thought it was a very nice, like you know, just you know, classic haunted house shot. I thought it was really nice. But let's kick but off now the they apocalypse. Have to go to the a, yeah, let's kick off the apocalypse at the hospital. Ready? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it's, it's, we have to go to this hospital. We have to figure out what's our next move. You know, let's just collect our thoughts, and we're gonna have a second. Oh my God! No, the glass breaks, and there's fucking zombies everywhere. <laughs> All these dead people—they're reanimated and they're coming at us. And I love what Fulci did with these zombies. Because he didn't make them look all rotted out and disgusting like he did in Zombie. You know, he gives some of them some effects on their heads, but for the most part, they just look like regular people. You know, they because just they're fresh. came back from the dead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're, they're I fresh. It. Uh, Dick, hasn't sat in yet. That's, what, that's how I took it. Loved it. I just, I love the look of them, you know, because they were fresh. Um, and of course, John, when he gets that six shooter and he starts popping off rounds, of course, you know, he does a typical thing in zombie movies where you shoot them in the stomach and they're obviously still coming. And then he gets a couple of them in the head and they fall over and die. But he can't remember. That's how to do it. 
Like, remember oh, two seconds God, ago thank, when he shot that zombie you. in the head? <laughs> <laughs> thank you for calling that. All right? <laughs> it's like, again, you think, okay, money shot in the head. They drop. Okay. Duly noted. Okay. Zombie number two. Body shot, body shot. Headshot drops. Okay. Right. Body shots don't work, but headshots do something. Okay. You think as a doctor, he'd know this shit. You know, of. <laughs> Yeah, I know. He's but he's he doing. He keeps shooting him in the fucking chest. In the fucking, <clears throat> he just saw it. Three of them dropped with a shot him in the head. So maybe you don't want to aim for the head next time. Maybe a little <laughs> help. <laughs> yeah. And um, like so again, here's where Fulci throws me off because they like, okay now we're in a fucking zombie movie. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and wait, we're, we're, in a, we're, we're we're in a zombie movie and zombie rules now apply. Is was what you're saying? Is we have now shifted yeah. gears and we're no longer dealing with demons, and now we're dealing with zombies. <laughs> okay, but you know, and, you have, and now where we go ahead, King. Yeah, <laughs> when you have Liza and you have John separated, you have John who fucking for some reason has unlimited rounds at one point for the gun and then doesn't. Like, there's no explanation for why he just runs out of bullets at one point. Cause it seems like he has unlimited rounds like a video game. But you have Liza going to the morgue where she finds Jill, and she's like, oh, my God, Jill, you're alive. It's great. Like, let's go. We have to escape out of here. And you have John running into Dr. Harris. He's like, I have no idea what the fuck is going on. We need to get out of here. But I love the fact that Dr. Harris doesn't last long because the glass breaks out of the door. <laughs> and he just somehow stands in the way of shards of glass that get driven right into his face. Like, well, he's gone. Well... Well, then when he, that happened, I was like, <laughs> the first thing that popped in my head was full. She was like, hey, Argento, did you see what I just did right there? <laughs> I used glass. <laughs> <laughs> I can do it too, Argento. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the first thing that popped in my head when that shot happened. But <laughs> she was like, ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> but then when John and Liza reunited with Jill, and they get into the morgue, and Schweik's coming at them, the reanimated corpse of Schweik. You get that realization that Jill is revealing her zombie side to Liza. But John's yeah. going to look at the gun and blows her fucking head off. And such a great shot. Oh, oh, God. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that was just That problem where her head just goes that, flying that, that, the fuck off? Uh, yeah. Yeah, and, like, again, great fucking shot. Because it's literally, like, you know, Jill is in her face, and... Everything was so fucking quick that you really couldn't fucking tell. You know, uh, you know, gr- right. great job on just the, the speed of the effects there. That, that was fucking sweet. Just went, paha, and fucking shit like cantaloupe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, but then they, so they, they, got to say, they find their way they run to escape by, yeah. Uh, yeah, by a, a stairwell. There. And they're like, let's just run down oh. the stairwell and we're going to be fine. But then they find out that they're in the basement of the hotel. What's going on? And there's only one way out, and we have to go through the hole in the wall that Joe the Plumber, thankfully, knocked out of the way so that they can get through. <laughs> so you. let's just go through the only place we can go. And we'll go through the hole, and we'll see if we can find our way out. But once they go through, they realize that they're in this weird plane of existence where there's a bunch of bodies oh. laying on the ground. And thanks to Fulci, he paid a bunch of derelicts who just got paid in alcohol to do that. Yes! That is, I'm so glad you brought that up. 
Yeah, he just brought a bunch of people off the street, paid them enough, all said, hey, can you lay around this set naked for a couple hours while we do some shots? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. And I'll pay in booze, and it'll be fine. You know, the original ending was supposed to be them in an amusement park, which was supposed to be like their, their comeuppance, which is like the amusement park of life, where it's like you died, but death is the amusement park, where you could run around and play and have fun. Like, you just you existed, you suffered, but now you could have fun in the afterlife. But too expensive, so they went the right way, I think, and showing you the afterlife, oh. which is nothing. It's just vast nothingness with just bodies laying around. And no matter where you turn, you're in the same spot. Yeah, that was something that really fucked me up because they like would run and look around and stuff, like that, and it was the exact same scene everywhere. It's like you were literally trapped in limbo, like night, not just trapped in limbo. You were literally trapped in the exact same fucking spot. That fucking freaked me out. <laughs> yeah, and then when you see that their eyes have gone opaque, just like everybody else, it becomes a ghoul. Like now their eyes are exactly like the others. And they're realizing that they're in the afterlife now. Like, they are in the beyond. You know, they made it. And they slowly disappeared <clears throat> right before credits roll. Yeah. The, and and then it fades out to the painting. And then you see that the painting that Shvel worked at the beginning is now where they are. At, is he was painting that wasteland that they are now trapped in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like I said earlier in the show... I like bleak endings. I like dark endings. I don't like happy endings for horror films. And I think this is a great example mm. of a movie that presents you with the bleakest ending you could think of. They didn't deserve this, yeah. but that's where they are. No. Yeah, and that's the thing about horror is, you know, you and I definitely agree, is you're not supposed to walk out of a horror movie feeling happy, feeling comfortable. You know, you're supposed to be walking out there feeling on nerve. You know, unnerved, on edge. You know, looking under. When you get home, you're supposed to be looking under the bed. You know, checking to see, yeah. checking to see if fucking fucking Gage is there with a fucking knife to sit there and cut your Achilles tendon. You know, that's what fucking <laughs> horror is supposed to do. You know, it's not supposed to leave you yeah. with a happy feeling. It's supposed to leave right. you weird. You know, that's what makes horror fun. Is it goes where other movies aren't willing to go. And, again, that's why I like this ending for the beyond is because we don't know what's waiting for us when we die. We don't know if there's a heaven. We don't know if there's a hell. We don't know what is waiting for us when we die. And this offers you that. Like, when you die, this is it, the wasteland of just bodies, you know. And it's, just, it's more terrifying to me than a slasher coming back from the dead. I mean, for one last scare at the end of a slasher film. Like, to think that this is what could be it for you when you die. Is that there's nothing. Yeah. yeah. Like, like seriously, nothing, nothing. No beer, no women, no nothing. It's like, no. fuck, I'd be, like, nothing. bored as fuck. Like, that's, that is fucking <laughs> hell, is to be fucking bored as hell like that. But that wraps up. Well, now you know why on. the spirits wanted to escape. Yeah. Like, Emily and Dickie and <laughs> Arthur and Martha, that's all I wanted to get the fuck out. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I could escape hell, and I can go back to Earth, and I could just be fine. Okay, mm. great. Um. So, yeah, that's a Beyond. Uh, like I said, it, it's definitely one of the preferred movies that Fulci did. I think to a lot of fans of Fulci's, I still stick with the New York Ripper as being the high-grade Fulci, just because of just how sleazy it is. Um, but that's it, yeah. I'm, I'm glad that you enjoyed it, Monkey, yeah. and your special effects. I'm glad that you got the fact that it was so jumbled but still had a good time with it. Because um, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I knew you were going to have that feeling. Like, what the fuck? Like, it's not yeah. a straightforward plot. <laughs> you know, it's everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, it it was weird. Yeah, 
Um, yeah. It, yeah, weird as hell, but again, great effects, awesome. So, yeah. <laughs> and you know me. It's like, all you got to give me is good effects, and I'm a happy camper. <laughs> some eyeball effects, some spiders, <laughs> some dogs being violent. <laughs> you know, it's all there in Italian horror. Yeah. Uh, but nothing your pick is next week. What do you have for us? What's next? Well, before we get into my pick next week, um, tonight's episode of Talking Terror is brought to you by Bonfire Beats Designs. All right. Okay. Nice plug. Okay, Father's Day is coming up. You want to get your father, father, your daddy, your baby's daddy, doesn't really matter. You want to get anybody special, hey, all right? Father's Day, uh, yeah. Hey, daddy. All right, either way, go to Bonfire Feet Designs at Etsy.com, all right? Or is it Etsy? I don't know how to say it, but either way, go there. Etsy, Etsy, whatever. Yeah, go there, pick up some swag for him, all right? Make you make make your baby daddy happy. Make the ghoul happy. Make the ghoul girl happy. It's all the circle of life of horror happy all going on here. If you go to Bonfire Beat Designs and buy some swag for this upcoming Father's Day. All right, plug done. Moving on. Okay, because we're running out of time, so I'm trying to talk quick. All right, here's the deal. All right, <laughs> thought about it, thought about it, thought about it. All right, I originally thought about doing, and then there were none. I thought it did not work for the show. All right. So, but, seriously, mm-hmm. the way things have been going on in the world, um, in my opinion, a lot of people have been listening to the wrong voices well, in their great. hearts. What are you talking about? Yeah. And especially <laughs> a lot of people have been listening to the wrong voices in their heads. So, that being said, if we're going to sit there and t- talk about people that are listening to the wrong voices in their heads, then we're going to go back to 1976, and we're going to cover God Told Me To. Oh, okay. Look at you. The God Told Me To. Great choice. I was wondering when you were going to make this your pick. I know you've been talking about it. So, Wow. Larry Cohen. Going back to King Cohen, yeah. you know, for God Told Me To. With the spot by Andy Kaufman. So, great pick. What a great movie. Yeah. I'm looking forward so to that's uh, breaking this one going. down next week. Yeah, so right. people God told the me to. in their heads, people people doing stupid things because they listen to their voices in their heads. That's what's going on on Talking Terror next week. Stop listening to the <laughs> wrong voices in your heads and do the right thing. Remember, be excellent to each other because that's what we do on fucking Talking Terror, motherfuckers. <laughs> and I'm the Mad Monkey. <laughs> Say thanks for listening to tonight's episode of Talking Terror and let me come in your ear. All right. We hope you enjoyed this discussion of the beyond and everything else we had to talk about tonight. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, saying keep America strong, watch horror movies, hail Satan, forget about God. God told you to. We don't mind that. We just want to hail Satan around here. We also want to hail Otis. And most importantly, hail yourself. Thank you so much for listening and supporting the show. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're on all the social media platforms. So you can check us out at Talking Terror. But until next time we meet, stay scared, people. Stay scared.